Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and we are kicking off Topic Month with a look at internalized misogyny in media and fandom. And I have with me two of my sexy ladies, Carla, co-host of Bedwetter Behead Pod, and Tiff. So I'm very happy to have both of you on to kick off this month. I know this is one of our most popular months, and it's one of my most favorite, my most favorite months to do. So I'm excited to talk about this topic that's very light and fluffy. So very. (laughs) All I think of are rainbows and puppies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So before we get into the heart of the topic, just really quickly, I'm going to give you some trigger warnings and a very, very, very brief little description of what internalized misogyny is, if you don't know. So some trigger warnings will definitely be, well, sexism. I'm going to give it just in case it comes up, but racism. Now, now every every trigger is escaping me now, so I apologize. <laughs> I don't know if my panelists have any that are in their mind right now that they can think of. Uh, how about classism? Ah, that's a good one. Yes, that's that's a good one. A slut shaming, that would probably be a thing too. So yes, uh, massage noir, I'd say probably would be one as well. Body shaming, food, anything like that. Yeah. So, yes. So here is a very, very concise description of this. Internalized sexism or misogyny is the hatred, dislike, or mistrust of women by other women due to the belief in harmful stereotypes and the need to be separated from them, oftentimes through unconscious actions or behaviors. So that's a very, very, it goes a lot deeper than that, of course. So what I first want to start out with is... Carla, what are some of the harmful tropes that you see in media that also tend to bleed into fandom and especially celebrity culture, like stuff like love triangles and stuff like that? I think love triangles is definitely one. You know, I I think back to the Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt days and how, I mean, you could also go further back with Elizabeth Taylor and any one of her husbands probably. But there's always like the good girl and then the bad girl who steals the good girl's man. And it's never the guy's fault. Like nobody ever sits there yep. and says, Oh, the, the role of this husband. What about it? You know, it's always some awful woman stole this precious bunny lady's 
it just, you, you see so often women pitted against each other for really ridiculous reasons. And, you know, the, the team Aniston and team Brad and team Angelina thing was also ridiculous. I mean, th- this is, these are people's real lives. They're, they're going through whatever they're going through. It's none of anybody's business, really. But moreover, the, the idea of pitting one woman against the other completely. <laughs> Brad Pitt at this point in his career was made out to be like basically a saint who just, you know, he just fell for this awful woman's wiles and he had, he had no choice but to leave his wife. It's ridiculous. And it happens over and over again. It happens in movies as well. It happens like how often do you see the, that trope? You know, you, you think about movies like My Best Friend's Wedding where it's not even like, quite a love triangle because there's only one person actually pursuing another person in this the other the other two people are happily coupled off but there's this one woman who is incredibly jealous of this other woman and who only sees her faults and then still gets to come to the wedding which i don't know was just really weird to me and i think where this bleeds into into fandom and to fan life is that we see this and then we carry it over into our own lives. It's, you know, if you ever read, you know, the AITA, the Am I the A-Hole subreddit, there are so many stories in there about infidelity and, and it comes up, it comes up often enough that commenters are like, okay, this is just the typical thing where we're blaming the, the other woman, but what about the man in the marriage? Like he should not have done this and yet you're focusing all of your energy on this one woman but beyond that trope i think one that really just grates at me a lot is and this is kind of like a weird one because you would think it would be so empowering but the girl boss the idea that that a modern woman has only triumphed in a feminist world if she has it all and if she can maintain an amazing household and a rockin' body and, you know, a, a job with a fancy office and a 401k. And it's an impossible standard just in general, but especially in this world where it's, there's still plenty of sexism in work culture where men still get promoted over women who are more qualified, where men are still paid more than women regardless of their actual talent and contribution to the company it, it just all of those things but then the expectation that women should aspire to have it all and that they fail if they don't at least try for it and here's the thing about the the feminist movement is that it wasn't designed solely so that women could work it was to give women the option to work not so that they could make that their only choice Women are not failures if they choose to be stay-at-home wives or parents. That's a choice that they made. It may not be your choice, but it doesn't make them any less feminist for choosing that. You know, there are so many shows where they have the the woman who's staying at home be really naive, not very smart, not very educated, not really knowledgeable about the world. That's the first one to get cheated on in the show. Just so many things that flow from that trope, and in the the real world, the absolute crushing pressure on women that is not placed on men. 
And you see that come out in, in things like interviews with, with celebrities when they're, you know, talking about their movies and they ask, they ask Kira Knightley, I, I forget what movie it was that she was walking the, she was at, at the premiere, I think. And they asked her, you know, like, how, how are you managing your family life along with your career? And she asked them, are you going to ask them the same thing? Of course, she did it in, in her accent. But the, the point is, is like, you're asking women, and it's not just her, not just this one question. It happens over and over and over again, where women are asked, well, what about your kids? Who's watching your kids? What about your husband? You know, who's who's maintaining your house? You never hear anybody ask a male actor, you know, I, I haven't seen any interviews of Christian Bale where they're like, who's watching your kids, bro? You know, like Ryan Gosling isn't constantly being asked, you know, like, is your marriage going to be okay because you're traveling so much for work? It's just the expectation that 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 double-edged sword that you that as a woman you have to desire and and actively strive for physical and material perfection and familial familial perfection based on the standards of what men can achieve and that barometer's never adjusted to what women actually want and then the it's also not adjusted when we're talking to men about their lives they're they're never asked to explain their hours. You know, it, it's never, oh, you know, Sal works really hard. He's here 70 hours a week. You know, that's a go-getter. But Susan, oh, she's a terrible wife because she's here 70 hours a week. It, 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 it's ridiculous. And it just, it affects everybody negatively because then men are not given parental leave also. You know, it, it affects everybody. Men are not given parental leave. Men are not taken as seriously when they say, I really need to go check on, on my kids. It's like, oh, you're abandoning the team at a time like this. And with, with the woman, it's like, well, that makes sense. You need to go check on your child. We will be considering you as less of a productive team player, but we understand because you're a woman and you've got them eggs. So you got to go take care of those kids. So it, it's. It's disgusting. And then like, there are so many other tropes, but like, that's the one that, that for me just really bothers me. Tiff. So yeah, the love triangle thing that that's really bothersome because it is behind the scenes that, like, you know, just talking about the Angelina, Brad, Jennifer Anderson thing. Obviously it had to be extremely painful behind the scenes. What we saw is just, is just a snapshot of what was actually happening. And as far as I can tell, you came out smelling like roses the whole time. It's like there's equal wrong on both sides. There's equal wrong. And I'm not I'm taking Jennifer Aniston out of the equation with that because obviously she was the cheatee, not the cheater. <laughs> but it seemed Angelina got a lot. You know, she's the thin fatale. And like Carter said, you know, her her wily, her wiles and things like that. And like you mentioned with Elizabeth Taylor, she, at the time, I think way back in the, what was it, the early 60s, it was Debbie Reynolds and yeah. Eddie yeah. Fisher. Yeah. And, and then obviously Elizabeth Taylor. And, you know, Debbie Reynolds was the cutesy, you know, naive girl next door type of thing. And here comes Elizabeth, you know, with her violet eyes. 
the you know perfect skin and all this kind of stuff and sultry looks. But hello, Eddie Fisher, just much to blame. Let's let's keep it a buck here. For in terms of the the choices that women have, and like Carla was mentioning about the feminist movement, I feel like the patriarchy has pitted us against one against each other when it comes to women who choose to stay at home and women who choose to remain in the workplace. And let's let's keep it at one hundred percent real. A lot of us that work and who are mothers and wives or who are just who are single moms, we have to work. It has nothing to do with the want and the desire to be out there and not be home. It's because we have to economically we have to work in order to support our families, whether or not you have a spouse, whether or not you have, you know, a, a long time partner or anything like that. It doesn't matter. You have to be out there. Would I love to be home more? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but, and I see that men have really, really pitted us against one another with that. They'll say on one hand, well, look at, look at Janie Sue down the street. You know, she's got a home cooked meal on the table at 530 every night for her family. She keeps the house spotless. She does this. She does that. She's on the PTA. Okay. That's great for Janie Sue. Well, look at Marla down the street. She's working, you know, 75 hours a week and her house is it's a bit of a mess, you know, and, and they order pizza a lot. <laughs> and and she she when's the last time she went to see her kids teachers you know she wasn't at the parent teacher conference well number one mind your business and stay in your lane person that's gossiping and you don't know what she's doing in the background you don't know what marla has going on maybe she's doing parent teacher conferences through zoom maybe she's doing that maybe she's doing it through google meets maybe she's emailing back and forth you never know with that I mean, is it a great idea to eat pizza every night? Probably not. But <laughs> as long as it's the vegetables on there, that's okay. <laughs> Needs must. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the things that really, really bugs me. It really, really does because the desires of, of what we want versus what we have to do, people never take that. Men never take that into consideration. Men never take that into consideration. I don't want to be at work, you know, 40 plus hours a week. I want to be here when the kids get home, but that's not my reality. And that's okay. That's okay. It, 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 need, it has to be okay. So that really grates my cheese. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of women are pitted against each other. It's kind of been like this thing where we are supposed to be in competition for men and men's affections. And I think that bleeds into the whole love triangle and that whole thing that you will see in in media and in films. And sometimes another trait you will see there is you'll see like the really good person, the really good girl sometimes will be like the blonde. And then you'll have like, this isn't always the case, but sometimes, and then you'll have the bad girl has the darker hair. So it's like this, you know, and it is that femme fatale vixen thing. and. They'll usually be more sexual, the bad girl. 
they'll be more in charge of their sexuality and they will feel free with their sexuality. And I think, you know, where this comes into play with celebrities was, was really big time with the Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Anderson thing because Angelina Jolie was hated before this happened by a lot of women. And I, I personally, I was a huge fan of Angelina Jolie. I had the biggest, biggest crush on her. Seriously, I she was like the sexiest human being I ever seen in my life when I was younger. I just thought she was just, just, and I thought she, she's a great actress. She's really talented. And what I loved about her, and this is the reason a lot of women don't like her, is she really didn't give a fuck about, you know, like, she's like, I'm going to be very open and honest about who I am, my sexuality. She's been very open and honest about the fact that she had, you know, a relationship with a woman before. She's been with women before. The fact that she is, she's been open about being bi. And I don't know if she still identifies that way, so I don't want to speak for her. But she's been very open about that. She's been very open about her estrangement from her dad, her very close relationship with her mom. She was op very open about when she had her double mastectomy because of breast cancer running in her family. She did it as a preventive measure because she didn't want to leave her kids. And she has a lot of kids. She didn't want to leave them behind. And she's just always been very open about who she is. And she's been like, when she won for Girl Interrupted, when she won the Oscar and when she gave that performance, for me personally, and I spoke about it a few years ago when we talked about mental illness portrayals in media, her acknowledgement during that whole awards run of people with mental illnesses and people that have been in hospitals meant a lot to me. So for me, I always thought of her as this incredible human being who I aspired to be and who I also thought was just absolutely gorgeous to look at and was really extremely talented. And then, you know, with the, the then Jennifer Aniston is like someone who was like America's sweetheart kind of thing. And so I'm not saying ever that cheating is wrong. We we don't completely know the full story, though. I do want to put that out there. We don't know exactly what happened around that time. I'm not saying at all that cheating is okay or anything like that. I'm not saying that or excusing it. I'm just saying that once again, like everyone has said, Brad Pitt got very little vitriol, if any at all, over that. And still to this day, anything that Angelina Jolie does is put under a different microscope because of that. Like it's heightened. Like I think that is part of the reason that, and trigger warning for spousal abuse, that her allegations that she was not, she, and I want to make this very clear. I think people kind of misunderstand this. This was in an FBI report. Okay. It was the FBI report and she had to make it known because of legal reasons. It wasn't like she was trying to get money at him or anything like that. So everybody, a lot of people didn't want to believe her because it's Angelina Jolie. And a lot of them were women because they're like, well, she's a home wrecker. So she gets what she deserves kind of thing. And nobody wanted to look at Brad Pitt and all of this. And nobody ever wants to look at the guy usually in these things. It always kills me. And with the whole little, you know, with the staying at home or being, or, you know, you know, be, being at home with your children or not being at home with your children. And then the, the wife always being asked and the mother being like, when you're talking about Kira Knightley being asked about that, about, you know, like, you know, how is it affecting your family and men not being asked that it also always gets me and granted, I don't have kids, but it always gets me when I hear people say my husband is babysitting the kids. I'm like, they're his kids. He's not babysitting the kids. Thank you. They're his kids. Yes. 
I know. Like my husband, when especially when when the little kid was tinier, he I mean, because I, I was working in my office and my husband has been always working from home. So he was primarily responsible for our son. So then, you know, they would go out and whatever, and people would be like, oh, I guess you're stuck with the kid today. He's like, I'm spending time with my son because I'm his father. Like, what are you talking about? And it's always bothered him that people see him as like, see a man taking care of his child as the man being burdened with a task that the mother should be doing. When it's like, I was part of uh, of this whole, you know, conception thing. And so I am going to take care of my child because he is also my child. Like, uh, exactly. Yeah, that's why it's always I'm like, no. Your husband's not babysitting the kids. The man is not babysitting the kids. He's a father and he's with the kids. (laughs) He's being a father. He's just being a father. (laughs) I had an older woman. This was a few years back. I want to say the youngest was probably about maybe four months old. And I went to a concert and the husband was at home with the girls. And an older woman who knew, you know, that we had the, an infant, essentially, and then we had the older one who was eight at the time, was like, oh, who's watching the girls? Who's babysitting the girls? I was like, their dad? <laughs> like, where else would they be? You see, he's not here. You know I'm married. You see, he's not here. It's a Sunday. He's not working. Like, who else would be? W- and And why is he watching them? No. They're at home with their dad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really had to look at her like she was crazy. I did. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that was a really yeah. not smart statement. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's always that's always bothered me so much. And most recently with the whole love triangle thing uh, in real life, like with like fans going after celebrities was the whole Haley Bieber and Selena Gomez thing oh. where like everything that Haley would do, people were saying she was copying Selena and like threats, like literal threats on their lives from people. It's like, you don't know these people and you don't know because they were, they were like, well, they're no longer friends anymore because of Justin Bieber and, and not a single person really. I mean, most of the vitriol was all after Haley and very, and I don't know a lot about these people. So excuse me, I'm not like big fans of any of them, but none of the vitriol really was pointed at the guy if there was even a reason for there be to be vitriol. You don't know. I mean, it could be one of those situations in real life where it's like Selena was like, I don't I don't care. I don't love him. I Or she might have even, I don't know this, okay, everybody, so don't come after me, but she may have even set them up. I, you don't know. I right. mean, things it, like that happen. Nobody's business. It's it, exactly. It's nobody's business. It's not ours. People are are just invested in the wrong things. I swear. Yeah, it's their personal life, and we don't have to know everything about a celebrity's personal life. We're not entitled to that at all. I mean, you know, it is good to know if they are bad, horrible people, but this kind of stuff, we're not entitled to. No. We just aren't. Yeah, and then I just lastly wanted to say on this this part of it is the other thing is that you know when. And I'm not trying to put down, speak ill of Joan Rivers, but Joan and Melissa Rivers used to do the E 
thing where they would be on all the red carpets and especially Joan Rivers, the stuff she would say about female bodies. And women do this all the time where it's like, oh, like, you know, like still to this day, people make jokes about Kate Winslet's weight in Titanic. And then that's really why Jack wasn't able to get on there. And there's still jokes like that. And I think that stuff is very harmful because then you're watching that as especially if young girls are watching that or young men or young anybody, however you identify non-binary, anyone who's watching that, that is very harmful for you because then you're hearing what is acceptable is a certain body type. And if you don't have that body type, then you're not okay. And let's get real. Kate Winslet has is not fat okay (laughs) she was not fat in titanic she was she was not okay she she was she was how old in titanic she's about 20 yeah she was really Really young young. yeah she had a round face yes that's what it was you know i mean she had a round face because she still was she was still young and when we're younger a lot of people have rounder faces but if you look at her at, at her body she was Probably on the more average side, the smaller of average size things, we know the camera adds 10 pounds, you know, it's probably closer to like 15 pounds, but you look at her like, she just had a round face, y'all. That's it. It was, she just had a rounder face, but they went on and on and on about that. I'm like, what are y'all watching? And you've seen lately this, this new trend of plastic surgery of of removing buckle fat, which is like, like right over your jawline under your cheek between mm-hmm. your cheekbones and, and your jaw removing that little bit of fat and it, it just it's awful that people think that they have to have this gaunt look to be attractive where it, it's just your face like i thought we had moved past hair no she, apparently we're back on i it thought because... that apparently we're back on it well it joan gosh okay her last name is now no more wire hangers. Oh, Joan, Joan Collins. Crawford. Yeah, there's Collins. Crawford. Too. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was thinking Joan Collins too. I was about to say Joan <laughs> Collins. No, Joan Crawford. So back in the back in the day, like in the 30s and the 40s, they would have women have their wisdom teeth and their first molars removed. And okay, yeah, we remove our wisdom teeth. A lot of people do because it is it does crowd them out. But they would have their their first and possibly second molars removed. So you get that, you know, that real sucked in, like you're sucking on a lemon kind of look because that was the, that was the big thing. I'm like, clearly didn't know how to contour like makeup artists. You didn't know how to contour back then. You don't have to go that far to remove teeth (laughs) to to get that look. You can, you can do let's play with shadow and angles and things like that. But no, she had, yeah, she had all of those back teeth removed, which can cause a lot of problems, like major, major health problems down the line. So, I mean, yes, she had cheekbones to die for, but she paid a heavy price. And that's because some men in the background was telling her, you know what, in order to look like, to have this stunning look on screen, because she was a, I mean, she was a striking woman. But she didn't necessarily have the, I guess, classic bombshell look that a lot of those, you know, golden era actresses had. 
So she had to go like above and beyond what other people did in order to make it, you know, sizzle. You know, it's, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And now with the focal fat, like I think Leah Michelle was one of the people who, who, who had that surgery, and it's like. I'm sorry, but there was nothing wrong with her face. I don't like Leah Michelle. I think Leah Michelle is an awful person, but there was nothing wrong with her face. Like none of my disliking her had anything to do with her looks. Mm-hmm. No, it's like I don't like you because of your personality, right? <laughs> yeah, um, which is a very valid reason to not like somebody. By the way, but th- there, there's so many more and more visible people. I, I think also the the person I forget her last name, Erin something, who is Starlight on the boys. Yes, had that that surgery, and it, it just the, the, just the idea that people still think that they have to modify their their bodies in completely unnecessary ways to such an extent. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't yeah. have a problem with like you want to get a little Botox, you want to get some fillers, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but I mean, removing that. That seems Erin Moriarty. Yes. Mm-hmm. Moriarty, yeah. Yeah, Moriarty. And she's another one. Yeah, I'm looking at her picture. She just has a round face. Yeah. She had a yeah, she had a round face. And I'm sure some some man probably told her, you know what? Your cheeks are too, you know, too And that's I when I was reading Casey Wilson's book, her her autobiography, she was talking about how she was repeatedly told, You're too fat for Hollywood. You're you're never gonna get cast in anything. And I, I think now, if Casey Wilson had been at that point of her career now, the pressure she would have been under to lose a lot of weight, maybe to have the, the buckle fat removal, I, I just, I, I don't understand the beauty standards. And I understand the, the, the reason why they exist because of the, the, particularly the Western white patriarchy and the the beauty standards that come from from that but that doesn't explain why we keep buying into it yeah and and a lot of you know with erin moriarty she was she like deleted her social media she was like attacked viciously because of the way that's that's the thing is that Women will feel this intense pressure and not just from men. We're talking about with this, we're talking about a lot of women. Women do this too. Women will attack other women all the time for the way they look. And women who will end up getting plastic surgery will be attacked for getting plastic surgery. And whereas you were attacked because of the way you looked before. So that's what happened to her is people were just viciously attacking her because of the way she looks now. And so it's like, it's just a vicious cycle because nobody is ever happy. And a lot of it also is jealousy and competition. And if you see someone that you believe is very beautiful and you wish you looked like that, I think it's a lot of that too, of you're like, well, I don't look as good as this person. So I'm going to find a way to find some kind of flaw in the way they look, whether it be, oh, well, they could lose like 10 pounds or they're way too skinny or they're, you know, the the Botox is showing that kind of stuff. And so it's all bleeds in into each other. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. But we're going to go on to another little trope here, the pick-me girl, which if you don't know what the pick-me girl it's, is, it's a term that's used to describe a woman who obviously and obsessively works to gain men's attention or acceptance. Typically, a pick-me girl talks about how she's not like other women, especially in ways considered typically feminine. So Carla, what are your thoughts on the pick-me girl and why? Is it harmful? Well, I, I want to start out by shouting out a couple of videos that I saw that I thought were very helpful in wrapping my brain around a, a way to express my thoughts on on the whole pick me girl. One of them is by a YouTuber called Shan Spear. And the video is from two years ago. It's called Daddy Issues, Misogyny, and the Pinnacle of Male Privilege. Then there's a video by Tiffany Ferg called I'm Not Like Other Girls, and it's from four years ago, but it's very good. And lastly, Breaking the Cycle, My Journey with Internalized Misogyny by Rhea Kumar, and that's a, a TEDx youth thingamajig. I don't know what they're called. It's a video. It's a TEDx video, okay? But they 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 helped me basically come up with a way to say this. When you put yourself out there as a not-like-other-girls girl, you know, like you're, you're, you're not like the other girls. You're basically saying that there's something wrong with the other girls. And often that means putting down things that are traditionally considered to be girl things, you know, makeup, being dressed up, things that are considered frivolous pursuits. Like reading is one thing that people will say is a pr frivolous pursuit, especially if you read romance novels, heaven forbid. If you, you know, if you like, cute animals and you like pink, all of these things, you're an atrocious person because how dare you represent this idea of femininity. But at the same time, if you don't have femininity, femininity, you're not going to be wanted by any man. And that's because everything hinges on what men want and what they perceive to be desirable. Everything is about validating what men would approve of. Everything revolves around well, would a man find me desirable if I did this? Would this guy ask me out if I told him that I like football more than I like, you know, Gilmore Girls? All of these things where, where people will completely eschew parts of themselves for the sake of fitting in, but the fitting in is about putting other women down. So, but that's what it boils down to. It just boils down to this part of internalized misogyny that is led by the belief that men are better than women and that women should aspire to be more like the men, but also 
the misguided notion that what makes feminism that that what feminism seeks is to make women like men. And in that, you know, if you because like I I know that I had a phase where I was uh, I'm not like the other girls girl, you know, where I I I think I've grown it now, but there was like in my early twenties I had that moment where I was like, well, you know, oh god, because it was so cringe. Oh my god, it was so cringe. But I I got to that point of like, you know, stereotypical girls are boring. I hate the color pink, mind you. I look amazing in pink. So I don't know what I was on because I look so good in pink. But you know, rejecting girly traits makes you a cool girl and an interesting girl. It's like, oh, you have that air of mystery. You know, you don't. You're you're just a poser. You're you're trying to be, you know, a a a guy's girl, that kind of thing. But are you doing it because you genuinely enjoy these things or because you want to come across a certain way? Because there are certainly plenty of of, of women who and mind you, this is all very cisnormative. Because I, I'm specifically talking about women, about cis women, because I don't have any personal experience with the expectations of, of, of trans women in fitting in, except from what I have seen and the few bits that I have heard, which is the, the push to, to pass, you know, to pass as a cis woman. And in that passing, it has to be a very feminine type of passing. It, it, it can't, be anything else because then you're not passing as a woman, whatever the hell that means. But the, the traditional or the, the patriarchally imposed notion of what a woman should be. The, the fact that you're not like other girls can be taken as a compliment by people. When you really break it down, they're saying, I don't like women, but I kind of like you. What, what are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about? Because it really is about you. Even if they're saying, well, I like you. It's like, I like you until I find out that you have traits that I don't desire. And then I will go look for somebody who does have those traits. Because, yeah, great. Somebody who tells you this, especially a cis man, what he's telling you is that you're not demanding. You're not pushy. You don't question them. And you're great because you don't nag. It's not about your personality traits. It's not your kind. You're giving, you're loving, you throw an amazing, you know, dinner party. I love watching TV with you. I love your thoughts on these things. It's, this is the value that you're adding to my life. It's about what you're doing to make him feel more like a stereotypical man. And that is not the kind of man that you want. I, I will just, you know, anybody out there listening who is like, oh, but I really want him to like me. So maybe if I just force myself to enjoy football, Maybe he'll like me. If you don't enjoy football and he doesn't like you because you don't enjoy football, find somebody who similarly either doesn't like football or who likes you regardless of whether or not you like football. It's There are more people out there than you think. There are more people out there than you think. And then in a, a lot of this is tied up in the idea of daddy issues, that women who are pick-me's is because their daddies didn't love them. You know, like they're seeking men's attention because they didn't have a positive paternal figure. There are plenty of women who had positive paternal figures who still exhibit these behaviors because that's nothing to do with who you grew up with. It has to do with what society is pushing on you, which is the idea that you need to be what men want. Find out what men want. How many magazine covers? And I remember growing up, you know, reading Cosmo and reading Seventeen and all of these things like 
things that will drive your man wild, you know, all of these things that will make him like you, how you can get this guy to fall in love with you. Okay, where is the article about how to talk to your man about what you want in bed, how to empower yourself so that you're not financially dependent on a man? You know, these things are are just not priorities for, they're not prioritized for women and women don't necessarily know to prioritize them because media out there is just bombarding you with this idea that you have to be loved by a man. And all of it is also very heteronormative. It's like there is not a ton of content out there for, first of all, loving yourself as you are, and then exploring that, and then, you know, forming relationships. Forget about romantic relationships, forming relationships with friends, regardless of their gender or lack thereof. Why are we so focused on relationships and how they have to add meaning to your life? when we really should be focusing on creating value for our own lives that comes from within us. So yeah, rejecting girly traits does not make you more interesting. I just, if, if these alleged girly traits are just naturally not your thing, just be you. If these are your thing, just be you. If you have a combination of these things, if you're the kind of person who loves football, loves hockey, loves pink, played with Barbies, played with monster trucks, you're no better as a woman than a woman who only played with Barbies or a woman who only played with monster trucks. You are no better than anybody else because of your proximity to this absolutely ridiculous and overestimated, over just overblown ideal of what a woman is or should not be. And by the way, body count is BS. It doesn't matter how many people you have or have not slept with. That does not increase or decrease your value. That anybody who, who tells you, well, you know, I would, I, I would, I would marry you, but I can't because you're not a virgin. Okay. Thank them for doing you the favor of not bothering you anymore and go on about your merry life because they're, they're not worth it. Mm-hmm. I have been around so many women who have said, you know, I just don't, and and this is a pass because they'll say, I just have, you know, I I can't hang around with other women. I just, I don't have women friends. I don't have female friends. I I just get along better with men. I like male friends. I have nothing but male friends. And I'm like, huh, what's that say about you? That you put these restrictions on yourself about you actually like. And by doing so, you are putting this box around people about what we should like and what is the stereotypical likes and dislikes that, you know, men, women, non-binary folks have. All you're doing is, I mean, basically you're bending to societal and gender constructs by doing so. And you're missing out on a whole lot of interesting people at the same time, because we don't all like the same things. You know, my Saxon ladies know that I'm into sports ball. You know, I like it. I'm a huge basketball fan, huge basketball fan. Since I came out of the womb, I get it honestly. You know, I mean, my dad is a huge Lakers fan, came out the womb wearing purple and gold. I swear I did. (laughs) So, you know, and 
I grew up playing basketball. I played basketball all the way to high school until I got hurt. And I still love the game. But why would that negate me hanging out with people that don't like basketball? How would that make me? I mean, that would be silly, right? Because I'm missing out on people who are more interested maybe in art, who are more interested in poetry, who are dancers, who are, you know, whatever. There's so many interesting things and there's so many interesting people out there. So to put these constructs on yourself, to put these limitations and restrictions on yourself, people don't even realize what a pick me, what, what a pick me they are actually being. They don't even realize they're like, no, I'm not like those other girls. I'm not like them, you know, because I don't like this girl. You are a pick me. <laughs> you are a pick me. You are the very different definition of a pick me. And all you're doing is, is showing us that, you know, I mean, you're just saying that you're kind of shallow, that you're, yeah, that you're about as deep as a puddle since you don't like other people who you think don't like the same things as you do. You say, I'm not like those other girls, but you don't actually know what those other girls, you know, non-binary, whatever, are actually about. Because you've put it in your mind, this is the box that everybody should be in. This box, this box, this box. We each stay in our lane. That's not life. That's not living. What, what kind of person wants to do that? I don't, I certainly don't want to do that. We don't all, you know, I think one of the beautiful things about how we all have interacted on, it's a fandom thing and all of your panelists, Aaron, is that we come from all different walks of life. We all have had, you know, different, different growing up experiences. Some of us come from, you know, air quotes, traditional family homes. Some of us come from single parent families. Some of us grew up in, you know, on the West Coast, on the East Coast, you know, Carla grew up in, you know, grew partially up in Mexico. It's, it, it runs the gamut. And that's what makes things interesting. We all come from things with a different perspective. So internalizing the patriarchy upon yourself is doing yourself a disservice and actually stunting your own growth as a person. You are limiting yourself in how you view the world and how you experience the world by saying, well, I only want to deal with this subset of people. I only want to deal with men. (laughs) And I only want to deal with manly men who like sports ball and who drink beer and who eat wings and play pool. (laughs) Okay, that's sounding like a good time, but also... Yeah, <laughs> I know I, my my sexy eyes were lit up with beer and, and the and pool beans. too. <laughs> ice yeah, pool. Pool. <laughs> but that's just it. Like all, all those girls who are like, well, I I like men because they like those things. It's like I can point to three people right now who are currently salivating over the thought of wings and beer <laughs> and pool exactly. <laughs> and, and pool. Exactly. Aaron wants to make it very sure the pool has to be a part of this. Aaron wants everybody to know that she might be a pool shark. I would not. What? I would not go that far. <laughs> she might hustle you. That's exactly what a pool shark would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, and I don't think anybody would say that any the three of us are pygmies. We like what we like. 
and, exactly. and that's that. And it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Like, I, I know that for me, it came with becoming comfortable with myself because I think that's one of the things is that I didn't know quite who I was. And so that insecurity, you know, when you're feeling so insecure within yourself, you lean on something and it can be you're leaning on the example of a friend or you, you're leaning on the example that that media sets out for you. And, you know, there I, I had a friend who told me she actually said the words, I want to be known as the quirky girl. And that was very interesting to me because I'm like, why? Like, mind you, she she was plenty quirky without trying. But the fact that then she went out of her way to try because she didn't want to be, she wanted to be unique. She wanted to stand out. That's very understandable. Everybody wants to, you know, to find a way to stand out and be seen for themselves. But when you are approaching it with, with an agenda of like, I want to be seen as especially unique and different, then you're not being true to who you actually are. And again, I mean, she was like, I think maybe not 20 when when she said this to me. So hopefully by now that has become a thing of the past and she just feels free to be whoever she is. But so many of us, and I think especially in our 20s, are so susceptible to the message that we see on in movies and in TV shows that, you know, like we, we had that era of the manic pixie dream girl where you have to be Zoe Deschanel in, what is it, 500 Days of Summer. Where you have to be just stay. I guess I'm sticking with Zoe Deschanel roles, but just stay in new. She had a real niche. For, yeah, for a little exactly. bit. <laughs> or Natalie Portman's character in Garden State. Not, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Where you have to be this way because then you'll get the. You won't just get like the hot guy. You'll get the cute, sensitive guy, and that's what you really want. So we're just so guided to think that this is the way. Like this is the the path. So many shows have like the, the gambit, like every girl has to have a thing about her that makes her special. You know, whether it's Clarissa explains it all where she's so weird and different. Punky Brewster were like, look at her colorful outfits. That aspirational different girl who gets attention, not just because she's not because she's interesting or kind within herself, but because she wears something colorful. And so you have to find a way to stand out in that exact mold. Not by being yourself, which is already unique enough because we are all different from each other, but in this very exact mold, which is hilarious to me that we try to stand out by fitting in. Mm. That's yeah. true. That's true. When you think about there always there is a formula to these things, especially in, you know, in television and film, there's always a formula. You have the cheerleader who is popular. She's pretty. She loves, uh, she's dating the jock, you know, so she's dating the football captain or she's dating, you know, the basketball captain or something like that. Their homecoming king and queen, they rule the school. Then you have the nerdy girl also can also be the quirky girl as well. She might be on the debate team. She could be in the chess club. She might be one of the people that is always leading a protest of some sort. <laughs> you also have the slacker or, you know, or the stoner girl as well. And she just doesn't care. You know, she comes to school schlumpy. She's always hanging out with the skaters and things like that. She wears a lot of goth type clothing, that sort of thing. And then you have Miss Pris. You have the one who is 
has one goal and one goal only, and that is <laughs> and she is stomping on everybody <laughs> to get to Harvard because Yale won't work, Princeton won't work, Stanford won't work. It's got to be Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just described Glee, Safe by the Bell, and Gilmore Girls. <laughs> there you go. Safe by the Bell, too. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and it, every, it's cyclical. It comes back around every, you know, every maybe five, six years, we get that formula back in place, back in place. And I didn't even mention the, because, you know, and I know we're going to get into it a little bit more with the, probably with the slut shaming, you don't get the girl with the bad reputation. The girl who's been talked about is, yeah. So that sort of thing that studios have seen that A plus B literally equals C. C is in cash. C is in cash, yeah. exactly. Cash, money, money. <laughs> and they have not tweaked that formula. No. They have not tweaked the formula. My my oldest was watching The Breakfast Club the other night. And for she was actually shocked. She was like, oh, this is rated R. And I was like, it's rated R? What? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching, I'm like, why the heck is this rated R? I was like, there's no nudity. I was like, yeah, there's a, there's some, there's a few few bits of language in here you know there's some there's some like you know really problematic like when he's looking up her skirt type of situation but i said why the heck is this right now it should be like pg-13 then it hit me we didn't have pg-13 the mpaa didn't have pg-13 in 85 i think it came in in like 87 so it went from pg to rain it off it's like there's no in between here. So I told my dad, I was like, okay, it's okay. This is like a PG 13 movie. You can watch it. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's, I mean, The Breakfast Club set it up perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, emo goth girl, the princess, the jock, the stoner, and the nerd. Yeah. You know, even if it was that boys and girls, you know, they, they have mixed company. But you talk about leaning into, leaning into the Trumpy McTroperson. <laughs> that com- that completely did. <laughs> yeah, that really did. Yeah, yeah, and I and I I want to go back to what you were saying, Tiff, because I was completely that person who I hung out with more guys than I did girls, and I did that for a long time. And it's not that I didn't have female friends; I just hung out with a lot of guys. And I did say it was because. I didn't get along with girls as much, or I didn't feel, and a lot of it came from, honestly, because I was teased and picked on a lot when I was younger, and because I was really shy and quiet in school, and so I think it stemmed from that, that so many people did that, so then I was like, somehow just went, okay, I'm just gonna, girls are just horrible, and so I'm just gonna hang out with guys, and so I did that a lot. I mean, I would, and it went into my early 20s when I would hang out at bars all the time with guys. I go to dive bars and hang out there and play, like I said, Texas Hold'em and then play pool all the time. But the thing is, is I loved doing that. It wasn't that I didn't, I actually did love doing that, but I did it also under the guise of, I didn't think, it's funny because until I got older and now I, most of my friends are are, are not men. It's It's actually the exact opposite. And I think I think when I was younger, I actually thought it made me more progressive to be that way and to hang out with men. And that it was the exact opposite of of that. And that's why it's still to this day, sometimes when I hear people say a red flag 
for a woman or someone who's female identifying is if they say that they mainly just hang out with men, that that's a red flag. And I'm like, that's a red flag. So I was a red flag that whole time. And it just seems so bizarre to me because it wasn't because I never felt like I was ever like that. But now I'm examining it differently when I get older, you know, but yeah. And then before we go to the other thing, I just quickly, and I think you should, I think everybody should read the whole entire monologue, the, and I understand issues with this novel and the movie and stuff, but the mon- the cool girl monologue from the novel Gone Girl by Jillian Flynn, I think actually very, very succinctly actually describes this. And I just want to read just quickly, just a brief little part of it. Being the cool girl means I am a hot, brilliant, funny woman who adores football, poker, dirty jokes, and burping, who plays video games, drinks cheap beer, loves threesomes and anal sex, and jams hot dogs and hamburgers into her mouth like she's hosting the world's biggest culinary gangbang while somehow maintaining a size two because cool girls are above all hot, hot and understanding. Cool girl, cool girls never get angry. They only smile in a chagrined, loving manner and let their men do whatever they want. Go ahead, shit on me. I don't mind. I'm the cool girl. So, and there's a bunch more that goes with that. And I do highly recommend, I I love the novel and the movie, but I highly recommend reading that monologue. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. I'll put a link to the videos also that Carla mentioned as well. I've watched a couple of those too in preparation and those are, those are good, but yeah. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. And so lastly, and I know there's a bunch of stuff we could touch on this. We'll probably revisit this at some point. But the last thing we're going to talk about is some fans, and I'm talking about mainly female identifying fans, not wanting female characters in shows. And one big example of that is Supernatural. Whenever they would have a female love interest, the actress playing that female love interest would get a lot of hate and backlash from a fandom that at the same time was crying for more females on the show. And I know there's, there's, a, and I, and I can't guarantee this is exactly accurate, but I've seen this quote floated around where the actress that played the character Lisa on Supernatural, she was talking about how the fans are awful to her and were always awful to her. And then Daniil Ackles, who's married to Jensen Ackles, said, just try to be one of their wives. So mm. <laughs> I want to add, talk about that, Carla. <laughs> and go. And go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that it, it, it comes back to the idea of fans feeling like they, like they own a character or a performer where they think that, well, this is my favorite. So I can only see him this particular way and I can only enjoy this, this performance. If it, if, if it leaves room for my fantasy, my self insert fantasy, if suddenly you, you know, they're, they're kissing a woman and the woman, you, it's not you. Well, then that, that ruins the experience for you. And honestly, if that's the case, then I, I fully recommend therapy. And I'm not even saying that as a joke. I am very serious about that. 
why do you think so little of yourself that a fictional character finding love or even just sex is such an affront to your ability to to enjoy whatever it is that you're watching but yeah th- th- it's so true with i think with, with supernatural especially because supernatural oh my goodness it just did so poorly by women in so many ways but it, i think it also set up a situation where a woman can't win if she's there as a love interest she can be the bad guy she can flirt as long as she's being rejected by the Winchesters. If a woman goes on the show and flirts successfully and suddenly is in the way of your ship or your fantasy, then that woman becomes reviled through no fault of her own. There's just, just an actor playing a character. Nothing more. But suddenly you have people like with, with the, the actress who played Lisa, her performance was fine. It worked for the plot. The only problem that people had is like suddenly, oh no, not my Dean. My Dean can't be with anybody because then that changes the value of the character for me. And since that's all that matters, I'm going to go after the actress. In what way does that make any sense? Like she's just doing her job. That, that's all there is. And, you know, even beyond supernatural, there, there are so many instances of somebody being cast on a show or being cast on a in a movie series because it's usually a series of movies not just a standalone movie unless it's adapted from a previous property in which case then it it does also get tricky but there is something deeply troubling with the idea that that a fictional character can't find love because then you can't see yourself with this fictional character Okay, why is that a problem that not only disturbs your enjoyment of whatever it is that you're watching, but that you would then take it to real life and make an actor's life more difficult? Again, they're just doing their jobs. But yeah, this is another one of the ways in which this internalized misogyny where this fake competition for some man bleeds into real life. And even if it didn't, even if it was just relegated to the screen where you're perfectly either you leave the hell, you leave the, the actress the hell alone, but it still bothers you enough that you can't watch the show. Okay. Is it because it disrupts the flow of the show in a legitimate way or because you as a person feel affronted in some way that has nothing to do with the actual story? Like, and, and, and you can't just say, well, I don't think that this act, that this character would do that. Well, this character is doing it. So get on board or stop watching. I, I just, you know, that should be the end of it. But I think people become so invested in these fantasies that they've created about either the character or the actor that they stop seeing where the line ends between fantasy and reality. And with this push that we have for women to be in competition with each other, even when it's a fictional woman, I think that there needs to be so much more examination of that as individuals. And I think honestly, sometimes people are not really qualified to even do that kind of introspection alone, that they really do need somebody to guide them in that introspection and 
really get to the core of why it bothers him so much. But it'll sound glib, but it's it's, it's just not that deep. It, it's try to remove yourself a little bit from it and and try to get at the core of what's bothering you. Is it bothering you because you see it as a poor writing choice? You see it as a poor story choice? Or because you yourself were so invested in this on a personal, perhaps emotional, perhaps sexual level, where it's disturbing your your ongoing life because that that's that's something to be to be examined. Now, you also have the case of the Mary Sue, you know, the, the supposed female insert who is just representing a writer or, you know, in, in fanfic, especially I, I, I see it, it definitely in TV shows and movies, but definitely also in fanfic, where somebody will write an original female character, or there'll be a brand new female character. And it's like, oh, that's a Mary Sue, like, no woman can be that good or anything like Ray in the Star Wars series. Like suddenly it's like, oh, she, she's, you know, she's the worst character because no Jedi would be that good at picking up the lightsaber. Okay. But you're completely discounting absolutely hapless Luke Skywalker becoming a, like an amazing Jedi, even though he, you know, kiss his own sister. Like you're telling me that there's no way that. Oh, I forget her, her name, uh, but she was played by Marie Tran. Oh, Kelly Marie Tran. Uh, oh, Rose. Rose. Rose Tico. Yes. Rose Tico. Yeah. You're, you're telling me that Rose Tico could not possibly be the competent person that she was because she's a woman. When you're, when you're, and you're, you know, female fans are really telling on themselves when they, when they fall for this trap of assuming that a character is a Mary Sue because they're competent or because they're especially good at something. There's nothing wrong with a woman being especially good at something. Sweetheart, why is that a problem? What is it in your life that you suddenly, that you for some reason can't accept that a woman can be amazing at a particular task, especially when it's uh, in a, in a male dominated field? Why is it that you can't see that as being a possibility for a woman where you wouldn't question it if the character were, were male. If the character were male, you would not think twice about them being a prodigy. You wouldn't think twice about them being able to crack a safe in under 30 seconds. But if a woman does it, it's like, ugh, here we go again. So stop watching it and maybe examine what it is that you are internalizing. Because I Nine times out of ten, it's going to be internalized misogyny that you don't think that a woman can do this because society keeps telling you that women can't and shouldn't and shouldn't even want to do this. But a man absolutely can and you would never question them. Like, why is that? Tiff? I think we saw this a lot with Buffy back in the day because that the idea of this tiny blonde girl being the chosen one is kind of anathema to a lot of people, especially other women, because even though she's named Buffy, I think when they think of a woman kicking much booty, they think of this very diesel <laughs> kind of this very Somebody built. who looks closer to what a man would look like. Exactly. Like this very, you know, Amazonian kind of style woman. And you come up with Sarah Michelle Geller, who is, you know, like 
petite. <laughs> but, you know, she played the heck out of that character, though. She she really did. She played the heck out of that character for seven seasons. And it worked on every single level. And yes, I know this is a no Joss Whedon zone up in here. But I have to say that his problematicness was covered up a lot by the other writers that he had in that writer's room and also the the co-showrunners that he had as well. So you got this very believable little girl, <laughs> this young girl being the chosen one and being the one who protects at all costs. And like when Spike says, he's like, you know, you're a hell of a woman. He's like, you're the one. And you know, all you can sit back is, and agree, but that wasn't how it all started. You know, and people were like, this doesn't work. Especially a lot of women were like, this, this doesn't work at all. This, this girl, she, there's no way. More recently, I think we saw it with the Wonder Woman because, and, you know, to a certain extent, I can understand when people want to see a different body type play a character like Wonder Woman. Although in the comics, it, she is, it, in the original comic, she is drawn as a man sees fit. And that was as a kind of voluptuous woman. And when Linda Carter played her in the 70s and the early 80s, she was also, you know, very shapely, but shapely, but still what I would consider thin. And I don't, but she probably wasn't called thin back at that time. She's probably just called average. But I think she's thin. And not that I want to, I'm, I'm not shouting her out, but the woman who played Wonder Woman in this the latest incarnation of it, I don't want to say her name because I don't want to say her name. She has, she's probably, she's, she's bigger than Linda Carter was, but still not what I would consider like Amazon. Like when I think of, of how the fictional Amazons were built, it's not, that's not what I think about, you know? And people, and a lot of people talked about that. They were like, she doesn't have the strength to build, to, to beat this person. Here you have this old man <laughs> playing Aries, right? He's old. He's old. <laughs> he's old. And he's not in any kind of like, he's not built. He's not in like, you know, he's not one of those people that you know he's going to be doing his own, his own stunt work like Tom Cruise at 60. He's, this is not what we're talking about here. And they're complaining about that other woman who plays Wonder Woman not being able, that she shouldn't be able to, you know, to take him on. I'm like, number one, this is like a lot of CGI folks. So suspend reality, you know, let's, let's suspend the believability at this point in time. But she's also like 30 years younger than him. So this is probably more than more than an even fight here, people. <laughs> this is this is Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs. Let's, <laughs> that's just I, that 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 grates on my nerves. That really grated on my nerves. And on the flip side, when you think about something like the Woman King with Viola Davis, now this is the women warriors of Doheny, and in the 18th, sorry, 19th century, early 19th century. This is where misogynoir comes into effect because you got a lot of, there was a lot of chatter talking about how 
unfeminine they looked because they had worked out, they had put on muscle, they had, you know, they're wearing, and they're not wearing things that wouldn't protect the body. So they're wearing, you know, this flexible leather armor where, yes, their arms are shown because it's obviously, you know, sub-Saharan, it's hot, it's tropical. So their arms are uncovered, their legs are not covered, but they're protected from here. So there's no stomachs being shown unless they were actually, you know, doing like sparring with each other. And there was so much vitriol because you've got dark-skinned women, dark-skinned Black women who are being competent at fight scenes and fight choreo. And that's not feminine. That's not a sword I'm looking for. That's not what people want to see. You know, it's not a vibe, basically. So, you know, so you're, so women of color, particularly black women, are going to get that one million times more than white women. One million times more. So can it be changed? That's the question. Can it be changed? And I think the only reason, Brie Larson and Captain Marvel, we talked about that previously. We talked about that a lot when it came to misogyny in, you know, film and television. We talked about the absolute pile-on that that girl got when she did Captain Mark. Oh, she needs to smile. Just me what? <laughs> I, why do I need to smile? What do I have to smile about? What does my superhero character have to smile about at this point in time? Because she does smile in the movie. She smiles as much as any of the male superheroes do. So, like, what is your problem? Exactly. Because when she ended up photoshopping smiles on other MCU male characters, oh, oh, the fanboys, they just went, they just went nutso. <laughs> they went completely bananas. <laughs> it was chaos in the streets, people. Chaos. We live in a patriarchal society, unfortunately. So, you're going to see those attitudes be placed upon women from a placed upon girls and carried into their young adulthood and adulthood, unfortunately, because we it's a lot of nurture out there. You know, we always say nature versus nurture, but it's a lot of nurturing of those attitudes out there. And they're getting bombarded with it still. So I don't know if the if the change is coming anytime soon. I can't call it. Yeah, I'll just quickly just add a couple of things. Going back to the love interest, part of it is I, I do think a part of why some fans, female fans, don't want to see love interests in shows, especially like with Supernatural, is I do think it is that wish fulfillment fantasy thing where if uh, if if they can't be with them, that's why I think with Supernatural, I think it's very interesting because especially when you are in the fanfic world and I've written fanfic where it is male-female relationships and those fanfics never do as well in the Supernatural realm as Destiel or Wincest. And those are the male-male ones. And so I think in that fandom in particular, a lot of the fan base does not want to see, in particular, Dean Winchester. I think it's stronger with Dean Winchester than it is with Sam, frankly, 
but they really don't want to see Dean with anyone that is not either Sam or Cass. But it, but it also goes back way to the beginning because in our recent It's a Dean Thing episode, we talked about the character Cassie and how Cassie was a huge missed opportunity on that show. One of the biggest they ever had because that was a great love interest. It was a great character and could have been a great ally for them as well because she was a journalist. And I mean, it just it just really was right there on the page. And so that was a huge. And when Dean left hunting, it really would have made more sense with what we knew in the character history that that would have been who he would have gone to. Not trying to put the character Lisa down, just saying that logically that's where that kind of stemmed from. That was the only character we really knew of ever in the whole entire series. I mean, that that where he ever said and seemed to say that he really loved her. I'm not saying mean that he didn't love Cass. I'm just saying that like that was like the first character we ever saw that he was completely vulnerable with her. And I don't know if that had anything to do with fans. I do think that was a lot in the writer's room and the network and everything like that. And then I just wanted to lastly just say with the Wonder Woman thing, and this is totally kind of off subject, but I wanted to just recommend a movie that is very much about the person who created Wonder Woman. And it's called Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. And this is a BDSM movie, but it's very tame BDSM. But it is the story of psychologist William Moulton Marston and his polyamorous relationship with his wife and their mistress who would inspire his creation of Wonder Wonder Woman. And I think it's a fantastic movie. And it's on Freebie right now, although Freebie is going away, but it's on a bunch of other things too. So, so I do recommend that just because I think it's an interesting look actually at this in a way. So, so yeah, but we're, but we have just scratched the service surface here. Of course, there's so many other things to talk about, but we are going to go ahead and wrap up this one. I do want to remind you, I will be putting links in the show notes to the videos that Carla mentioned, and then also to the monologue from Gone Girl, the cool girl monologue from Gone Girl, because I think it really sums up the pick me thing really well too. So we're going to go ahead and close out though. And I'm going to, and we aren't going to do six degrees of fin for time reasons, but I'm going to go ahead and close out and have my two amazing panelists let everybody know where they can be found and where Carla's podcast that she co-hosts with our other sexy lady, Meg, Bedwetter Behead Pod can be found. Thank you, Erin. You can find Bedwetter Behead wherever you get this wonderful podcast. And you can also look for our social media. We are Bedwetter Behead. Yeah. Bedwet Behead Pod at we're at Bedwet Behead Pod <laughs> on TikTok and Twitter, the double T's. We are also on Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod. And you can find me and my art and my musings at Carlatemis on TikTok and Instagram or my website, carlatemis.com. C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S dot com. Awesome. Thank you. And Tiff? Well, I'm out there at Mississippi's Me. My notifications are on. So now give me a shout out. I'm not on anything in particular except Discord every day, talking to my sexy ladies. But like I said, my notifications are up and ready. So if you reach out to me, I shall respond. Awesome. And if you want some cuteness from a cute, cute dog, 
Go follow Fergie on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. It's long, but it's worth it. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. On threads at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us via our website, it's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And while you're there, consider becoming a Patreon supporter today for as little as three bucks a month. You get great bonus content and ad-free episodes and so much more. And on our next episode, Aaron A. will be joining me for our annual Oscars episode. So are we both rooting for Oppenheimer? (laughs) I bet you are. I don't even think you can get that out with that last one. I couldn't, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> we, well, we know your we know your mom's not Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not rooting for Oppenheimer. <laughs> so, or who are we rooting for? So you will hear our wishes, hopes, and predictions as well. So it's always a ton of fun. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian Hate. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.